As a Christian, the Bible must be the foundation, focus, and fallback for life because it's a compilation of history and examples as well as precepts that instruct and guide us on the faith journey. And like any journey, there are always necessities. For instance, I can get in a car to travel to another state, but gas levels will determine how far I make it. Likewise, in Christ, I may be saved, but his word is the power towards my success. And so I want you to join me today as I use myself as a template for why the Bible, the word of God is a necessity for every life. Join me today. It's going to make a difference in your life. To the grown woman, pray. To the woman looking for answers, pray. To the woman who's busy and just needs a change, Pray, pray woman, stop comparing yourself, pray, stop grumbling, pray, stop giving excuses, stop counting yourself out, pray, stop discounting God, it's time to pray. Welcome to the Woman Pray Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Woman Pray Podcast, where we are here to encourage as well as help you pray effectively. And so we're talking about life issues, but today we're talking to you as a Christian and how important your Bible is. And so I'm so glad you're with me today because the Bible is so easy to take for granted. In other words, we think we know that we've read it because we've heard other people quote from it. We've heard different little phrases from it, but it doesn't mean that we've read it. And so that's what we're talking about today. And I'm so glad that you have come to join me. Let me just say this to you, that we are preparing now for the woman pray gathering. That's going to be a time where we actually pray and it's going to be available to each one of us, not just in the space, but it's going to be online as well. And I hope that you'll join me. More information is coming. But for now, let me just say to you, I didn't always Always enjoy reading my Bible. And so I actually prayed that God would give me a desire for it. And it was from that prayer that I began to appreciate what was written within. I found out, I found that the Bible was God's love letter to us. And because of his all sufficient grace and new mercies each day, we are able to grow and develop so that we're more and more like him and less and less like the world. And so now my prayer is that you'll hear my journey and consider your own, that you'll consider how you might grow right where you are to the next level, not just as a person, not just intellectually, not just in your relationships, but that you'll also grow spiritually. And so because my journey, your journey, our journey is not meant to be stagnant or polluted by the world or informed by a majority, we're on a journey of growth. 
grace marked by opportunities to please our Father and grow as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I prayed that I would have a desire to read the Bible. And in reading the Bible, I can see some of the primary stages of my personal development, my personal development, my personal journey. And so the first stage is found in Romans 10, verse 13. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. No doubt you are one of those who called upon the name of the Lord and you were saved. Well, let me just give you a bit of my journey. When I called upon the Lord, I was at a place maybe around eight or nine years old where I thought I inherited a relationship with God. In other words, my grandparents were Christians. My parents were Christians, but they weren't really living out the tenets of their faith. And so I automatically assumed that I was a Christian. God was to be respected in my heart, but I really didn't know that I had to invite him in. I didn't know Christianity was a personal decision where I had to welcome him into my life. And then there came an occasion, and I think I shared this on another podcast, when I was young and and I had just gotten a spanking. And when I got the spanking, I went into my closet and I called on the Lord. I said, God, if you are real, will you help me? I was just a child and I called on God. I didn't have not one goosebump. I didn't see light shone in the room. There was nothing that changed from the natural standpoint at, at that time. And yet, God came to my rescue because I found in the word, how can they hear without a preacher? And so God sent me a preacher. It's found in that same passage of Romans, but he sent me a preacher and my journey began from that crying out to God in on that day. My journey began outside of my familiar places. You see, I lived in a very uh, safe surrounding in America, number one, where there are no needs really. At least I didn't grow up with a whole lot of needs. And so I was very safe, very cushioned, but very naive. And so in my mind, I had called upon the name of the Lord, but I had no expectations from God. God was still someone who was far removed from me, someone who I probably only needed if you know someone died. At least that's when I saw uh, most of the people in my family line calling on him, except for my grandparents, of course, who were there every Sunday in church every Sunday, but I really did not have any sense of what I needed to do to know God. And so God sent a Ghanaian all the way from Africa to come into my space, come into my world. And when he came, that was the beginning of me understanding that repentance was necessary, but there was also a need for conversion. And that's found in the word. He says, repent and be converted that your sins be blocked it out and there would be times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, which brought me to another stage. And there's a response where there's a response from me. So it's not just me expecting God to do everything, but there is the father's beckoning revelations three and uh, 20. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come in, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. It seems like it's the same stage as the first one, except that it's really not. And so when I think about how I called on God, I had no expectation from God. And yet he met with me so that there could be some form of repentance, some form of turning towards him. But the change really didn't happen as it relates to my, my behavior and my response. Yeah, I made a mental note, but it really didn't affect the decisions that I made until one day my mother invited me to a women's conference. And it was at this women's conference that I heard the gospel in a way where I said, yeah, that's me. As the preacher stood up there and she was talking about the needs or the the cry of a heart, I stood up there with my hands raised, not knowing that I was the only one along with another girl my age. Our hands were raised saying, we want to receive Christ or we want to see a difference. Except that was not in my head. That was my heart. So I raised my hand and she asked us to come forward. Well, I wasn't going forward. I felt tricked in that moment. I felt bamboozled. I said, I'm not going forward because this is the time in the church where you gave your life to Christ and they wanted you to come forward to the altar or come to the front of the church so that you could be recognized and you could pray a prayer of salvation. Well, they, they had me come forward. I tell you, that was a story all by itself because I thought, you know what? I'm not going to the front. I'm just going to walk out because I don't have any intentions on making changes in my life. In fact, the way I had seen it at this stage in my life, everyone who seemed to love God, they used to say hallelujah and praise the Lord and glory to God. And I was thinking, that's a little strange. I don't know why they always say hallelujah after everything. And I didn't want to be that person. So I thought I'm taking a left. I'm getting out of here. Except my feet went to the front, even though my body tried to go out of the door. And so I found myself going to the front of the altar, the people in this who were in their seats, they were clapping for me. But here's the thing in my mind, I was thinking, I am not changing, even though my heart really did believe. And so I ended up going to the front. I committed my life to Christ, even though in my head, I was thinking, I don't have any intentions on changing. And that's where some of us are in our spiritual development. We claim that we love God, but we have no intentions on changing. Well, let me just say to you, I ended up on a missions trip. I didn't even know what a missions trip was. I thought I was going on a free trip to Cancun, Mexico. I found out I was going to Toluca, Mexico. But here's the thing. Even though in my head I had no intentions on changing, my heart did give it give I did give myself to Christ from my heart. And I remember when I was packing my bag, I was putting things in so excited that I'm going on a free trip, not a missions trip. Trip, but a free trip. I started packing and I heard this still small voice say to me, put X in the bag. In other words, put socks in the bag. It's like socks. I'm going to the beach, but I put the socks in the bag. Then I heard, put a towel in the bag, a towel. Why would I need a towel? I'm going to be at a hotel, but I put the towel in the bag. Lo and behold, I put everything in that bag that I needed. And, and I did need it because Toluca is up in the mountains, nowhere near the beach. So I needed those socks because my feet got cold at night and I needed everything 
everything that I put in that bag because I was not at a hotel. But praise be to God, it was at that missions trip that I was able to see the power of God at work. I had never seen it in my safe cushion community. I had never seen his power at work where eyes were open and deaf people were hearing. I had never seen the compassion of Christ come out of young people. When I saw six and seven year olds crying in their worship to our God, never seen anything like this. And somewhere at the end of that trip, like the the night before I was scheduled to come back to the States, I was there for two weeks and I saw the power of God. In fact, there was even a man who was paralyzed and I did not speak much Spanish. And yet they asked me to pray for him. I thought you want me to pray for a man that's paralyzed. He fell off a ladder. He can't walk. You want me to pray for him? Yes, pray. That's how they said it. And they were speaking Spanish. And I was thinking, I don't know what you expect to happen. There's not going to be much change, but you all are so excited. I guess I pray. I prayed for this man. And the next night when we came back for our nightly service, they told me the man is walking. It blew my mind. I was amazed that uh, someone that was paralyzed was now working. But get this, I prayed for them. (laughs) That was more than I ever imagined. And so it was the night before I was supposed to come back to the United States where that same voice had told me to put the socks in the bag and the towel in the bag and certain other things in the bag. That same voice said to me, now what will you do? Who will you be? I remember vividly laying in the dark, looking at the ceiling. It was pitch black because it, it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't like what we have in the States, all the cushion, cushion comforts or cushiony comforts of life. And so I'm laying there in unrefined wool as my nose is itching, everything is itching, but I heard his voice saying, now who will you be? And I remember making a decision then because I couldn't reconcile going back to the States and being the same person, knowing that God is alive. How could I do that? And so I made a decision that I would live for God, that I would live for our Savior. But here's the thing. On this part of this, in this stage of life, I'm reminded of what's in the Bible because Thomas said, I will believe when I see. But Jesus said to Thomas, and he's saying to each one of us, including you who are hearing me saying, well, I've never had an experience like that. I was blessed to have an experience and see someone who was deaf here and see someone who couldn't see, uh, say that they could see. But In the same way that Jesus said to Thomas, I'm saying to you, as much as the word says to me, blessed are those who believe but have not seen. And that took me on the next stage of my journey. And I think that's where you are, whether you've seen the power of God at work enough to convince you or not. The next stage is where the just shall live by faith. That's who we are. That's where we are supposed to be because that's that's the place where God wants to know, will you believe him? He wanted to know, he wants to know, will you trust in him?
And so that's where my hunger and my thirst for righteousness began. My hunger and my thirst began because I wanted to know who is God. And as I began to read his word, because he answered my prayer, I found that Jeremiah says, you will find me if you search for me with all of your heart. So therein I began the search. Romans 12 talks about um, how if we, could, we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, because it is our reasonable service and not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so he wanted to see, he wanted to see if I would live for him and not for myself or not for another. He wanted to see if I would depend on him and not depend on myself or depend on another, trust in him and not trust myself or trust another, not another meaning another person or another, um, or money or status that I wouldn't put my trust in anyone or anything but him. He wanted me to demonstrate my allegiance. And the same is true for each one of us. He wants us to demonstrate our allegiance. That's the stage where he asks you to live for him. But here comes another stage where we're yielded to him as the living God. It's the sanctification process and it's the process that can be hard because Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 4, it talks about how we are to put off concerning our former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's a stage where he has an expectation that you are going to do the work, that you are going to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you are going to put on your armor of light. Well, it was a harder stage for me because now I had to do the work just like you. He wouldn't do this work for me and he's not going to do it for you. I would now have to demonstrate my love for him just as he demonstrated his love for me. And the same is true for you. And so to love him meant that I had to keep his commandments, not just read about it in scripture, but now I had to apply it. And so I think about one or two of the examples of applying his word. I remember being in college. This is about the time that I'm in college and a young lady that I had become super good friends with. I trusted her. I thought, you know, we were in this together as people who were going to love God with all of our hearts, people who would seek him at any time of day. I could tell her what God told me and she would tell me what God told her. I mean, we loved God. But then God started showing me a passage in scripture, Corinthians, where he said, it is actually reported that there is someone around you who is in sexual immorality. He said, if they're outside of the body of Christ, this is my paraphrase of it, then it, it doesn't matter. But if they're inside of the body of Christ, I would not that you even eat with that person. Well, I was thinking, oh no, I'm hanging around all holy people, Lord. Everyone, all of my friends, all of the people that I'm associated with, they love you with all of their heart. He gave me that message 
every every night before I went to bed, read 1 Corinthians, read 1 Corinthians. I started thinking maybe it's just me, but every day I read what I believe that still small voice told me. I went to his word and I read it over and over again. And I always said, well, I don't know who this is for because I, I even went to a person and I said, listen, God is giving a warning. He wants you to come out from the, the every form of sexual immorality. She said, you're right, girl, it's me. We prayed together. I came back to God and said, okay, we did it, Lord. It's, everyone's clean around me. And he said again, I want you to read this passage. Don't you know by the end of that school year, it was my friend that I never imagined, the one that I trusted, the one that I just knew we were seeking God together. And she ended up pregnant. There's nothing wrong with the newborn, but that just wasn't the best for her life. And God was trying to give warning, but I trusted in her rather than trusted in his word enough to say, no, you know what? I need to ask every person that I'm in association with, except I trusted her. That was my sanctification process in hearing from God and just doing what he said rather than leaning to my own understanding. I remember another lesson of a part of the sanctification process where I had a coworker. And I'm telling you, this fellow used to give me a hard time. I mean, he gave me such a hard time that somewhere in the back of my head, I started thinking, I wish he would just die. I know that's harsh, right? That's because he was giving me such a hard time and my flesh was rising up. That old man was rising up because flesh always wants what it wants, when it wants and how it wants. And because he was giving me a hard time, I just wanted to get have, just have, get rid of him. Well, that's not scripture because the scripture tells me to seek peace and pursue it. And so the sanctification process meant that I was no longer thinking about how maybe he won't come to work today. Maybe I don't have to deal with him today. No, I have to seek peace. I have to pursue it. I had to make sure that I was working with him as someone who was not in insubordination, but someone who is submitted to the word of God enough to follow his lead, even if I didn't care for his personality or care for his leadership. And so while I'm working out my salvation, I thought everyone was, everyone was doing, you know, following the character of Christ. And yet this was another place of sanctification for me because I, I noticed that people had flaws, that behaviors didn't always align with what the scripture said. And then I was ready to walk away from the church because I had people here. I said, you're supposed to live with a standard. Well, this was when the word took me to another stage. And I remember saying, God, I don't think I can go to church anymore. I don't think I can follow people uh, in church because they're just not doing what I'm reading in your word in the Bible. And God said to me in that moment, he said, if you cannot uh, find an example. I want you to be an example. It was the same still small voice that told me what to put in the bag when I was going to Mexico. The same still small voice that spoke then spoke now.
And he said to me to be an example. And I looked at the word where Paul told Timothy to be an example in your life, your love, your faith, your speech, and in your purity. And so that put me in another stage where I would do the word and I'm not so busy trying to determine if others are doing it so I can judge them. No, it's a stage where I'm choosing him, regardless of what other people do or don't do. I'm in his word day and night, just like Joshua said, or just like Psalm said, it really didn't matter if I understood what I was reading. It just didn't matter. I was choosing to trust him. I didn't allow distractions because his word told me to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. And so (laughs) when that boy, that cute boy invited me over, oh, he was so cute. It was enough. It was enough to for me to kind of walk away from God, except I read in his word enough so that when I was ready to walk away from the truth, his word constrained me. And he said, he who sows to the flesh reaps destruction. It just jerked the slack out of me in that moment. When injustice took place all over the nation, whether early on in life or or later, recently in life, like, you know, when the subliminal messaging, um, I re- this is another storyline. This is when um, we were going to a church and there was like this subliminal messaging that was taking place um, at this church. It was a predominantly white church. And at this time I was married, I had little children and I put my little black daughter into children's church. And she was, you know, I thought she was fine because we're in church We're, you know, this is a house of God. Except when she came home, she started talking about how this skin was ugly. Well, I was a stay-at-home mom. The only place that she was going was children's church. And so that was so hurtful, but I had an opportunity to do his word, or I had an opportunity to do my flesh. I can fast forward to another occasion where my son, he was playing basketball and uh, whatever happened uh, before I knew it, the entire gymnasium, which was 95 or 98% uh, white, they were shouting, chanting, you ain't got no daddy. Oh, it was so hurtful. Or the national assault against our black men. But yet my Bible has always been my guide. And that is that love is not provoked. As hurtful as it was when my daughter came back and said that, and I had to confront the church to say, what is going on in children's church? They tried to fix it, but I had to leave. I had to overcome evil with good when it came to the gymnasium situation. Or when you think about the news and so many of our black men were slaughtered in the in the streets and we were all enraged. But yet his word constrained me. It constrains all of us. When people made digs about how I would never be married, because I was living so holy. I chose to imitate him and walk in love. I endured hostility from sinners just like Jesus did. And just like Jesus took bread while he was being betrayed, he told me to do the same. He told you to do the same. And that is to endure hardship as a good soldier. And so these are stages, stages in our development. And none of them are, ex- are none of them are excuses for us to walk 
away from Christ. I remember when I was um, a, like there was an offense, there was sexual misconduct, and it was a spiritual leader. Well, I had to do the word again. I, it was it was written in Scripture to forgive because I had been forgiven. And so it's been a common, it's a common theme, a common theme to, to live in condemnation and wait because, you know, even though I didn't do anything wrong, I felt it, but I knew I had to forgive. And I also knew I needed to be free from whatever feelings of guilt and just, just, just wait from that experience. I had to let his word be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And he told me, he said, you, you are holy and you are blameless and you are above reproach if you continue in the faith. It was another stage. In other words, I hope that you're hearing that life in Christ wasn't just, you know, it didn't just come up roses. There were occasions where I had to do the word, where I had to demonstrate my allegiance, where I had to determine to do the Bible because it is written, not because I felt like it, but because of what I read in scripture. And because I was able to do that, I was moving from one stage to the next stage. And the same is true for you. Life is happening, but it's not an excuse to drop out of the kingdom of God or to walk away from your faith or to become dull. It's an opportunity for you to grow in him, to go to the next stage, which leads me to our final stage, the stage that is called the journey of grace, where the Lord is indeed your shepherd, where he does indeed keep you. He does indeed watch over his word to perform it in your life. And so I remember when storms rolled through my life as a single person, as well as a married person or a daughter or a mother. And yet each time he has told me to stand. And after I've done everything to stand there for his word constraining me, his word being a constant assurance that he is with me, that no matter the problem, when I pass through the waters, he is right there. That when I go through the rivers, it will not overtake me that when I walk through the fire, I shall not burn, neither shall I smell of smoke. I look at people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there was a fourth man in the fire. And I would encourage you that if this is the stage that you're in, still demonstrate your love for God, demonstrate your allegiance to him, because it's just a stage where you are growing in grace and knowledge, learning how to walk on your journey of grace, empowered, not in your own strength or might, not in what people say or do, not in what people uh, would, would give you, not in your things, but you are empowered by the word of God alone. We're all on this journey, this journey of grace. And it means he is very present. He is very near and he is wanting each one of us to grow. A journey in Christ means you're growing, you're developing, you're changing. And that journey is filled with sufficient grace as long as you don't stop.
That's what I got for us today. I hope it's blessed your life. And so now I just want to pray for you while you're on your journey of grace, no matter where you are. Father, I just thank you for every person that has come on to this podcast today. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would speak to their heart regarding where they are on their journey and that you would turn their attention towards what is written, that they're no longer leaning to their own understanding, but they are depending upon you and what is written. And I thank you, Father, that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish everything you sent it out to do and achieve the purpose wherein you sent it. So I pray that you would keep each one of us from falling even until the day of Jesus Christ, that we would be strong in you and walk in the power of your might no matter where we are in the journey, where as much as you've revealed yourself to each one of us, we will continue to walk uprightly before you, a holy God and so please you with our lives. We commit ourselves unto you today, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. May we be holy, blameless, and above reproach because we're no longer conformed to this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of the believers said, amen and amen. Thank you for joining with me today. I know it was a little longer than our previous podcast, but I hope that you'll stay tuned next week and that you'll invite a friend as well as comment, ring the bell, do all of those kinds of things so I can hear from you. Just know that God loves you and I'm here for you. All righty, have a good day and we'll see you next time for the Woman Pray Podcast just for you.